I want to take as my text this evening uh, our reading uh, from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 52, beginning at verse 13 and going through chapter 53 and verse 12. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn there to the prophecy of Isaiah after the Psalms. It's a big book, 66 chapters. And turn to chapter 52, beginning at verse 13. I've titled my talk this evening, Reflections on a Prophecy. Reflections on a Prophecy. Indeed, one of the things that Jesus talked about during his ministry, and then even more so uh, after his resurrection and before his ascension, was that the, the scriptures, that is the Old Testament, the scriptures that they had, they had them in Jesus' day, speak of him. And so we read, uh, for instance, Jesus' words in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, and at verse 39, Jesus speaking to members of the religious establishment, and he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is the scriptures that bear witness about me. Or after his resurrection, and when he was with the disciples, in Luke chapter 24 and beginning at verse 44. This is what we read. And this is what he said, <laughs> Jesus. He said, this is what I said to you, talking to the disciples. This is what I said to you while I was still with you. That is before his passion and the resurrection. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then Luke says he, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ must suffer. And on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins, because he suffered for people, the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And Jesus said, and you are witnesses of these things. And so I thought that uh, we might tonight together reflect on tonight's reading from Isaiah's prophecy, beginning at the th 13th verse of the 52nd chapter, noting four things about Jesus, things written about him hundreds of years before his life and his death and his resurrection. And the first thing that God says through Isaiah, the prophet, is about Jesus is that Jesus was God's servant. That Jesus was God's servant. Indeed, that's exactly how our text begins. In chapter 52, in verse 32, it says, Behold my servant, God says through the prophet. Behold my servant. Behold my servant shall act wisely, and he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. And so the Apostle Paul, being inspired by this and knowing that these, these scriptures in Isaiah speak of Jesus, writes concerning Jesus and with a clear application, by the way, to all those who claim to be followers of Jesus. He writes in Philippians chapter 2 and beginning at verse 5. He says to the believers at Philippi, he said, have this mind, or as it is in some other translations, have this attitude. Have this attitude amongst yourselves as disciples, as believers. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, 
<laughs> God's servant, Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not e count equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be clung to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient. Indeed, that's what servants do. They obey, they obey orders. And Jesus is a servant, God's servant. And becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus is God's servant and he serves. He goes down before he goes up. He empties himself, which to me sounds very much like self-denial. Jesus says, if you would be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Indeed, what Jesus calls us to do, he does himself. He's a disciple of the Father, a servant of Yahweh God. And so he empties himself. He denies himself and he obeys. And as disciples, we're called to follow this same pattern, hum humility now and exaltation later. Unless you've decided and chosen to follow some <laughs> other pattern of living. It was Jesus who said, and his words are recorded for us in Luke chapter 14, for everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. And so that's the first thing. Jesus was God's servant. Secondly, Jesus suffered. Uh, and, and he didn't just suffer. Uh, he suffered greatly. And, and he suffered for others, indeed vicariously, as a substitute. And to the extent that uh, his suffering was uh, great, uh, we read in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 52 and verse 14, his appearance was so marred, his physical appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. He suffered so physically in the abuse that he suffered that his very visage, his, his physicality was beyond human. He almost couldn't be recognized as a human. In fact, I would have to think that it was scriptures like this that might have inspired Gibson in his Passion of the Christ. And if you've seen that so many years ago now, and, and Jesus hardly looked like a man any longer. And that's exactly what Isaiah says. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. Or in the 10th verse of the 53rd chapter here of Isaiah, and it was the, the will of the Lord to crush him. To crush him. What does that look like? 
And all of this happens for others and for redemptive purposes. Not because Jesus had done anything wrong. In fact, uh, Jesus says, and his words are recorded for us in the eighth chapter of John's gospel in verse 29. Jesus said, I do always those things that please the Father. <laughs> he always obeyed. He always pleased the Father. And so this wasn't about him. Now, indeed, his suffering wasn't because of any wrong that he had done. But instead, it was because of our sins that he suffered. And this is just exactly what the prophet says. In Isaiah 53 and beginning at verse 4, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken of God. We assumed he was being punished for wrong that he had done. But he was pierced, verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions, pierced in his hands, in his feet, in his side. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment or the chastisement that brought us peace. He was punished that we might have peace. And with his wounds, how ironic, with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so Paul says, writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3, he said, Jesus died for our sins. And notice what Paul says, not just that he died for our sins. Paul says, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and we just read them written hundreds of years before jesus ever came and lived and died and rose again and the prophet isaiah says that jesus accepted this role of substitution this sacrifice of himself for our sins willingly and without objection Indeed, Isaiah 53 and verse 7, and we read, and he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is completely silent, he opened not his mouth. No word of malice. No word of complaint. He knows who he is. He knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. And he does it. And so Jesus was God's servant. And Jesus suffered. And yet Jesus is rejected. One might think a, a rather strange irony. Indeed, Jesus gave everything for us, even his own life, in order that we might redeem, be redeemed from the, the power and penalty of sin to solve our greatest problem. He takes this great weight upon him and suffers in our place, receiving in his own body upon the tree the judgment due to us. 
but it isn't enough. In verse 3 of Isaiah 53, but he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Sorrows we put on him and grief we added to his life as one from whom men hide their faces. I don't, I don't even want to look at him. From one, one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, held in contempt, and we esteemed him not. He's nothing. Indeed, when John writes his gospel, we have in the first chapter of that gospel, in the 11th verse, it says, And he, Jesus, came to his own, and his own received him not. When God Almighty takes on human flesh in the second person of the Trinity, in the person of the Son, the Son, God Almighty, without whom nothing was created that was created, takes on human flesh and comes to earth and comes into our world, the world says we're not interested. And so Jesus was God's servant. Jesus suffered. Jesus was rejected, but still, finally, Jesus was victorious. And so says the prophet. Indeed, Jesus may have been unacceptable in the eyes of men, but to the Father, Jesus still was that son with whom he is well pleased. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And so as Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, if God is for you, who can be against you? And so we read at the end of our, our text in Isaiah 53 and beginning at verse 10, and when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall see the lives of the people affected by his death and his resurrection and he shall prolong his days that is resurrection he won't just die and be left in the grave he shall prolong his days he shall rise and the will of the lord shall prosper in his hands and out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied he shall laugh again and say it was all worth it even as the writer to the Hebrews said, and Jesus despised the shame and endured the cross because of the joy set before him. Even before it happened, he knew where it was all headed, as did the prophet that we're reading tonight. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And the righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous. And an important point in all of this, which is one that is often missed, is that we don't just go to Isaiah 53 for a theology of redemption, for a theology that tells us about how we're saved and how God did it and the role that Jesus played, that we might be forgiven of our sins. We also go to Isaiah 53 for a pattern of life. Because it is there that we find that 
pattern of life that was lived by him who says to us and follow me which is paul's point in philippians 2 which we read at the beginning of this little talk and so i close with paul again from philippians chapter 2 he writes and have this mind this attitude in yourselves which was also in christ jesus who though he was in the form of god did not count it count equality with god a thing to be held on to with all of its rights and privileges but he emptied himself by being found in human form and he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross and therefore, because he did all of these things, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is curious. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. With reflections on a prophecy let us pray we thank you lord jesus on this night on this day on the day of your passion the day that the, the reason why you were born <laughs> that you might take upon you are sins in your own body upon the tree that the father on that day might make you who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god how can we not be how can we not be pleased with you who gave everything or as brennan manning said that you loved us so much you rather die then live without us this would give us reason to spend the whole of our life living for you and not to earn anything because we can't earn our way but out of a motivation of gratitude to rejoice in our hearts that we would be loved so much where is there any room for feelings of insecurity or that we don't have any worth it would seem that we're worth a great deal to you and your god and so lord give us grateful hearts but help us not just to be the recipients and the receptacles of the things that you give but followers of the pattern that you lived help us to hear you say and follow me i love you i've proved it and now follow me, follow me, follow me. Help us to do it, we pray. In your precious name. Amen.